Last week, you missed it, Kevin Tully, he just came out with his new CD, and so uh, they're out of town this weekend, but they did an amazing special, so we bought some of their CDs, we said let's do some of those as giveaways at both campuses this weekend, and so if, if you've been coming just since the summer or newer, maybe, maybe you're visiting for, for the first time last week, we, we talked about why the name of our church is City Life Church, anybody wants to take a stab at that? Got a brand new CD from Kevin Telly who did the special last week. Anybody? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Sandy, you've been coming since last summer for five years. Come on. They try to sneak it in, though, right, that I'm not going to recognize it. My eyes are getting a little bit older. All right. Yes. Nice. That's it. That's it right there. Come on. She said, we're, we're going to be a church that goes to the cities, and the reason for that, as we shared with you last week, is this uh, uh, study that came out several years ago by the UN, so the world is undergoing the largest wave of urban growth in history. In 2008, for the first time in history, more than half of the world's population will be living in towns and cities, and by 2030, this number will swell to almost 5 billion people. And we want to be a church, wherever God calls us to be with future campuses, we want to be in the city because that's where the people are. And it's the City Life Church is because we bring with us a message of life that we want the world to know that you don't have to wait until you breathe your last to experience your first taste of heaven. There's heaven on earth. That's what Jesus promises to us. And Psalm 27, 13 is a favorite verse of ours that says, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we hope that you're going to go on this journey with us. So, so last week, come on, let's do some more giveaways. Since this whole series is about asking questions. What are some questions that you're asking? It might be questions, what does it mean to, to, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Like Sean Bay said in that, uh, the City Life Story, the episode for this week, where, where she's talking about this personal relationship with Christ. Maybe you've heard that before, and you're saying, I'm not sure what that's about. Or maybe you're asking some questions about what is church about? What does it mean to be a part of a spiritual family? So every week we're digging around in all kinds of questions, and we dug around in three questions, three questions last week. So since Sandy had her hand up before, we'll give you a shot. What's one of the three questions? Do you know, Sandy, you want to take a stab at that, that we asked last week? How are we neglecting ourselves? Come on. That's a good one. Nice. Come on. Don't be jealous. Give it up. All right. What's, there's a couple other questions that we asked, and two of them started with can I. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Anybody? Somebody? No? All right. Angel has her hand up on the front. What was one of them? Can I trust God? Can I trust myself? Come on, give it up. Kevin, there's one more. You want to do that one? Can I trust God? Can I trust myself? Can God rely on me? Can God rely on me? Nice. Come on. Very good. Kevin was in the, the episode of City Life Stories last week. And so, so each week, each week, we're asking some questions. And so a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we had a camera set up in the lobby. Had a camera set up in the lobby. And we thought we would share with you some of the questions that we've been asking ourselves. Thank uh-huh. you. 
I don't know. Let's take a test and find out. Fred Michaud. <laughs> Fred Michaud. Fred Michaud. Yeah, pass the Fred. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> Fred Michaud. Fred Michaud. Fred Michaud. Pastor Fred Michaud. <laughs> Fred Michaud. Pastor Fred. Pastor Fred Michaud. I am. That's not even close, just by the way. Babies. Um, uh, um, the sinners, the undevoted, uh, is that right? And the, I don't, I can't remember. Occupy Wall Street people? <laughs> I don't know. My wife takes the notes. <laughs> Musicians, football players, and softball players. Um, uh, libertarians, Democrats, Republicans. <laughs> Do I start over? <laughs> you better not put that on, they're gonna be mad at you. <laughs> the store clerks, the grave diggers, and the janitors. Uh, Latino, uh, European, and Canadian. Oh man, the rich go look at his skinny. <laughs> Elephants. Rich knobs. They'll pay for the stuff. I can't answer that I can't answer that question. Andrew, I'm gonna go out to eat. Go on Facebook. Daydream. Plan on where I'm gonna eat after church. Go on Facebook. Play video games on my phone. Go on Facebook. Stare at people. I don't know. My wife takes the notes. <laughs> Do my nails. Text. Yeah. On St. Thomas. California. Thailand. Anywhere that has a beach. Wow. I don't know. The Middle East. I mean, not in the Middle East, but the Mediterranean. Yeah, the Greek Isles in the Mediterranean. Pastor Juice. 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 Pastor Justin. Juice. <laughs> Justin Juice White. Juice White. Juice. Juice. I want a Justin White. Pastor Justin White. Justin White. Pastor Justin. Um, he could probably beat me up in a fist fight.
the V, E, the V, and that's all, folks. So, so while Juice is getting some work done, I'd like to sing this song to you. That's great, isn't it? You, you figured it out by now, right? I mean, the, the questions that we were asked were different from the questions that were on the screen. And so, you know, we, we were lured into this moment of being taken advantage of by the, the one and only Nate Nowotny. Yeah, so he has all these lists of questions to get us to say what he needs, and then he plugs it into these other, other questions. So we, we thought we'd have some fun with that. There's lots of questions that you and I are going to ask in this life. Sometimes they're questions that we have fun with, like the ones that we just did. But then there's some questions that we, that we ask ourselves, and the whole rest of our future rests upon it. And so if you could imagine having a conversation with someone who had the power to do anything that they desired. I mean, if you had an opportunity to have an audience with someone who had unlimited power and unlimited resources, and you could ask them for anything that you wanted, what would be something that you would ask for? Come on, we like participation here at the City Life Church. Somebody slip up your hand. What's something that you would ask for? Anything. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Family members that, that need to have a, a relationship with Christ. Come on, that's good, April. That's good. Somebody else. Something that you would ask for. Kevin, come on for your parents to get back together. It's, it's deep, isn't it? It's deep. Somebody else. Dylan. Yeah, God to give him the passion to do what he wants him to do. Come on, that's good. Somebody else. Somebody else. A qu what would you ask? Jen. Yeah, for her son's football team to know what it's like to have a relationship with Christ. Somebody else, Dave. Yeah, yeah, money to be able to to fund his ministry dreams so he wouldn't have to work. Somebody else, yes, sir. Yeah, for the for the country to really live out what we say we believe, what, to be united as we stand together in God. Come on, these are good. Somebody else. On this side, come on, somebody over here. Lori. Healing, yeah, yeah, healing. Physical healing for people, emotional healing. Diane. Peace and love, come on, for the whole world, yeah. Somebody else, one more. Somebody in the middle. Somebody else in the middle, anybody? Jen. Yeah, yep, yep, to ask for more wisdom, like Solomon, you know. To, 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 to say, God, give me what I need to be able to do what you've called me to do in this world, and all of us need a measure of wisdom to do something like that. Well, what we find in Scripture is a great story about a, a man by the name of Nicodemus who went to somebody and had a conversation just like what we had with each other. But before we do that, let me share you this story. It says, one stormy night many years ago, an elderly man and his wife entered the lobby of a small hotel in Philadelphia. Trying to get out of the rain, the couple approached the front desk, hoping to get shelter for the night. Could you possibly give us a room here, the husband asked. And the clerk, a friendly man with a winning smile, looked at the couple and explained that there were three conventions in town. All of the rooms are taken, the clerk said, but I can't Send a nice couple like you out into the rain at one o'clock in the morning. Would you perhaps be willing to sleep in my room? It's not exactly a suite, 
but it will be good enough to make you folks comfortable for the night. And when the couple declined, the young man pressed on, don't worry about me, I'll make out just fine. So the clerk told them, and the couple agreed. As he paid his bill the next morning, the elderly man said to the clerk, you are the, a kind manager who should be the boss of the best hotel in the United States. Maybe someday I'll build one for you. The clerk looked at the couple and smiled, and the three of them had a good laugh. And as they drove away, the elderly couple agreed that a helpful clerk was indeed exceptional. And finding people of his skill set is hard to find. Two years passed by. This is a true story. And the clerk had almost forgotten the incident when he received a letter from the man in the mail. It recalled the stormy night and enclosed a round-trip ticket to New York City, asking the young man to pay them a visit. The old man met him in New York and led him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street. He then pointed to a great new building there, a palace of reddish stone with turrets and watchtowers thrusting up to the sky. That, said the older man, is the hotel that I've just built for you to manage. You must be joking, the young man said. I can assure you that I'm not, said the older man, a sly smile playing around his mouth. The old man's name was William Waldorf Astor, and the magnificent structure was the original Waldorf Astoria Hotel, and the young clerk who became the first manager was George C. Bolt. Amazing, true, true story, true story. And you and I might not ever have an occasion in this life to have an encounter with someone of that kind of wealth. You and I might not ever know someone like Mr. Astor who would be able to, to give you that kind of material resource or to surprise you with such wonder and awe and amazement. There are people in this world today, clearly we, if we made a list, we could think of, a, of, of people who have that kind of wealth, who could do those kinds of things for us. But many of us will live out our days. We will never have a chance encounter like Mr. Bolt did years ago. But there is somebody that you can meet with right now. There is somebody that you can have an audience with who has more wealth and more power and more ability than all the wealth and all the power of this world combined. There's a conversation that you and I can have with someone who can give you whatever he desires. And that's the conversation that Nicodemus had and that's the conversation we want to look at together tonight for our story. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, this term Pharisees, if you've been reading the Bible a little bit, maybe you've come across that before, but Israel was a, a, a religious state, and they were ruled, like we have a Congress, they had what was called a Sanhedrin, and the two main religious parties, like we've got, right, Republicans and Democrats, they had the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were always vying for control of the Sanhedrin so they could be the predominant influencer in their nation. And so Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was a person of great influence in his country. So he comes to Jesus at night and he says, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. You know, when someone begins to explore faith in Christ, like didn't Sean Bay do a great job in that City Life story? Come on earlier tonight. I hope you come up and give her a big hug. 
at the end of the service. So it takes a lot of courage to open up your life in front of a room of people like this. And so, you know, when people are exploring faith in Christ, one of the very first things that I talk to them about is spending time reading in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Bible's divided up into two groups, right? And the second, the last 27 books were books that were written after the death of Jesus Christ. And so the first four books of those 27 books, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those four books, those four books just immerse us into the life of Jesus. And as you begin to read those stories, you cannot help but be gripped by his power. You cannot be helped but to be gripped by this one, Jesus. He can do anything. He can do anything. I remember when I was 23 and made a vow of devotion to Christ for the first time, and I began to read in, in these four books and what, what's called the Gospels. I remember coming across the story. It's called The Widow of Nain. There's this incredible story where Jesus and his entourage were on this road, and they were heading towards the town of Nain. And, and, and you know, you can imagine, you know, that, that this crowd was one of joy and celebration. They believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and so they were traveling from town to town and teaching people about God, and people were being healed, and the dead were being raised to life. It was an incredible time, and so that group was a big celebration. And then the story tells us that on that same road coming out of the city was a funeral procession. It's a powerful picture, isn't it? Two groups of people, life and death, getting ready to mingle together. And we know when the life of Christ ever meets with the death of this world, something remarkable is about ready to happen. I remember reading this story for the first time. And, and as Jesus' entourage began to intermingle with this funeral procession, they began to ask questions. And, and they were told that this woman was a widow, which means her husband had died. And this was her only son. And now he had died. And there was no social service system back in Jesus. Jesus' day, if someone did not take you in and you were not able to provide for yourself, you would die. Now, that's a reality that's hard for us to embrace, right? I mean, that's, that's hard for us to think of. This past week, I was in the Dominican Republic with a group of pastors from here on the peninsula, and we were exploring a, an organization that we're, we're thinking about as a group of pastors in this region to begin to partner with Food for the Hungry, amazing organization, and we can't wait to talk to the church more about it because I think it's going to be a group that we're going to do some great things with as a church. And so we were traveling from village to village to village in just total poverty, total poverty. And that's one of the things that they talked about that needs to happen in these villages. If, if someone finds themselves in a place of need and someone does not take them in, they will die. It's the reality that they live with every day. And that was the reality of Jesus' day, and it was the reality of this woman. And something moved Christ's heart with compassion. And the story tells us that he reaches up into the coffin and grabs this boy's hand, and he sits right up. There wasn't a funeral procession anymore. You with me? It was a birthday party. This huge group of people began to rejoice and to begin to celebrate. This son of hers was once now dead, but now he's alive. Nicodemus knows that this man, Jesus, has the power to do anything that he desires. And he's the one that he says, I've got some questions for you. And I hope you've got some questions for Christ, too, because he's got some answers. Come on, what does he say? He says, Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the story takes a little bit of a turn here, doesn't it? Because Nicodemus hasn't asked any questions yet. It's powerful, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is giving him an answer to a question that he hasn't even asked. It's, it's as if Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you've come to the right place. Because I know your thoughts. 
I can see into your heart, and I know the questions that you want to ask me even before those words come out of your mouth. I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, in your Bible, depending on what translation you have, that verse might say, truly, truly, I say to you. Anybody have a Bible that says that? Or if you're rocking the King James, come on. If you're rocking the King James tonight, it says, verily, verily, I say unto you. Anybody got that one right? It just sounds more sacred, right, when you can say it in King James. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, those words escape us a little bit, but they didn't escape Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a spiritual leader of his community. In order for him to be a Pharisee, in order for him to be a religious leader, he would have had throughout his life as a young boy coming into early adulthood, he would have memorized, memorized chapter and verse, word for word, verbatim, Genesis to Malachi, right? Because the New Testament didn't exist. He knew it backwards and forwards from memory. We're thinking about instituting that to become a part of the City Life Church here for 2013. So he says to him, verily, verily. But, but that's, that's for our translation. But that's not what he said in the original language. In the original text, in the Greek, it was aman, aman, which we say is amen, amen. And that word connects all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Listen to what this verse says. This is God speaking of himself. Know that Yahweh, which is a word for Jehovah, your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyally for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And so right there in the Hebrew where it says your God is God, the faithful God, in the Hebrew it says Amanel. Aman is, means faithful, someone that you can rely on, someone who never lies, someone whose words are always true. And El is the word in Hebrew for Lord or God that, that you see. And so with, like when you see the city Bethel, it means the house of God. So that word El has significant meanings all throughout the Old Testament. So he says to Nicodemus, Aman, Aman. Now that would have caused something to stir in Nicodemus's heart. Because Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you can trust my words as if it were God himself saying them to you because I am he. Verse 4 says, but how can anyone be born when he is old? How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. How can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And I add that in because that's just gross to think about. So Nicodemus didn't say that, but we know that's what he was thinking. Right? This is weird, Jesus. You're just you're getting a little bit spooky, right? Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus understand the answer to another question. For many of us in our life, before we make a vow of devotion to Christ, there's something on the inside that's missing. Maybe you came in here tonight and you feel that void deep inside of your heart. And Jesus is saying something profound to Nicodemus. He's saying, Nicodemus... You've not yet been fully born. Now, that's a hard concept for us to wrap our brains around because like you, me, myself, all the rest of us, we walked in here tonight. We have a physical body, right? Maybe it's not the body that we're excited that we've got, but it's the one that God gave us. And so, right, so, so it's hard for us to think maybe I'm not really alive because we're looking at each other and saying you look pretty alive to me. Some of us more than others, but we, we look pretty alive. I've got a body. I've got to be born. 
Maybe you're thinking, I've got feelings. Maybe they're a little whacked out every now and again, right? And they're a little bit mixed up, but I feel sometimes. Maybe if you're like some of us, we don't feel as often as we should, but you have an emotion that passes through your heart every, every other month, right? There's something inside of you that I, when you say to me, Fred, that I might not be fully born, I have a body, I have emotions, and I have a mind. I have thoughts. I have an intellect. Yes, sometimes those thoughts are confused, but I have them. They're here, stirring. When, when you say maybe I'm not yet fully born, it's hard for me to understand what you're saying, and I think Nicodemus is struggling with that same thought, but that's exactly where Jesus is taking him because he wants him to understand this profound truth, and it's recorded for us in these sacred texts because it's something that all of us need to understand. So Jesus continues, and he says, I assure you, and again, the original translation is verily, verily, or aman, aman, unless someone is born of water, born of water, that's their physical birth, and the spirit, this is the birth that Jesus is now talking about, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot be a part of God's family and have the hope of eternity with him in the heaven that's to come. And he says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. I love that Jesus ties this idea of having a life-defining, passion-filled, moment-by-moment governing relationship with him to birth, because birth is timeless. You can travel back in history thousands of years, and the idea of birth hasn't changed where it is, the medicine, some of the surgical procedures, I get, I get, there's been change. But birth itself, it's the same as it was in the beginning of time, and it will always be. It's powerful, isn't it, that God says, I know that culture's gonna shift, I know that technology is going to advance, what's something that I can connect this idea of life with me to, that people, it will transcend culture, it will transcend language, it will transcend every socioeconomic status, it will just be transcendent completely for all time, for all people, let's connect it, let's connect it to birth. And he's looking right at Nicodemus and he's saying, Nicodemus, you were born into this world with a physical body, with a heart to feel and a mind to think, but there's something else that's waiting to come alive. We like to call it here at the City Life Church, taking your first spiritual breath. I love that for the birth of all of my children, I had the great privilege of, 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 of being in there, just barely not passing out, but being in there. I brought my own smelling salt. I just taped it around right, right here on the shoulder. Maybe it would break as I fell down. It's crazy, isn't it, that back in the day, men didn't go into the birthing room with their wives? Well, that's just crazy. Maybe some of you, but generation where that wasn't allowed or wasn't permitted get to be in there. It is a remarkable moment when you see a human life breathe for the very first time. It is a remarkable, it is something sacred when you see a child take their first breath. From the moment you were born into this world, God has been waiting for that moment to happen for you. I like to tell people you left one womb and you just entered another one and God's waiting for you to come alive. Verse seven says, 
do not be amazed that I told you you must be born again. And then listen to where Jesus goes with this. He says, the wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love this teaching. It gets so confused sometimes, especially in expressive churches like ours, right? Because when people are off doing their own thing and a little bit out of step with the rest of the room, they like to quote this verse. But that's such a misuse of this text in the story because that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, what he's saying to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, some of the most profound questions that you have in this life, you're going to understand them to be true in here before you understand them here. Some of the deepest questions that you have for me, Nicodemus, you're going to feel the truth of the aman aman before you understand them with the human mind. And so he turns to nature and he says, Nicodemus, you don't have a degree in atmospheric sciences. You don't even know what that means because those words aren't even existed yet, right? He's saying, you don't understand how wind works, but yet you get on a ship and you sail and you travel from one place to another. You don't understand it intellectually, but you feel the truth of it in your heart and you put your life in its hands. That's what I'm asking you to do with me tonight. That's what Nicodemus is hearing Christ say. You can't figure it out until you give your heart to it. That's what faith is all about. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, don't try to Figure it out with your natural mind. Feel the truth of it in your heart, and intellectual understanding will follow. It's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. Jesus invites you and I into moments just like this. He says, come and sit with me. Let's have a conversation together. I've got answers for all of your questions. Find a quiet place. Go for a walk in the park. Stay up late after everybody else goes to bed. Set your alarm a little bit early and get up while the house is still quiet. You might feel a little bit awkward and odd at first. That's okay. And just begin to ask Jesus the questions that you've got. And I'm telling you, he's got answers that he wants to give you, maybe to questions that you've not even yet begun to ask. Now I grew up in a loving family, but it wasn't a perfect family. None of our families are perfect growing up. And what we find in this life often is that the mistakes of our families of origin get repeated and our families of creation, no matter how hard we try, to the contrary. Your family of origin is the family that you were born into, and your family of creation is the family that you're creating with your spouse. And so when we began to, to, to have children and they began to become of the age where, where, where they needed a, a little bit of correction, I, I found myself in moments where I was irritated by them to have feelings of intense anger towards them. Never crossed the line physically, but it led to lots of outbursts. And so one day, we were living in Mechanicsville then. Our kids were young, and we were sitting at the dinner table, and somebody knocked something over on the table. I don't remember what it was, a bottle of dressing or a salt and pepper shaker. And all three of my kids looked at me with an expression of fear. 
And it absolutely broke my heart. So it started a conversation with me and Jesus. I, I don't want to be that dad. I don't want the mistakes of one family to be in the mistakes of this family. And months went by, and I found myself in my office. I was on staff there at Mechanicsville Christian Center as a pastor. And, 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 and I had an appointment that day with a very good friend of mine. We're just going to say his name is Bob. That's not his name, but let's just call him Bob. We had another counselor that was coming in because he has really intense problems with anger, like inappropriate anger stuff in his family. And so we were all there, and he doesn't want to be this way either, and so he's looking for a conversation with Jesus. So we're sitting there talking, and we had been there together for some time, and we began to pray, and then all of a sudden, all three of us felt it. Jesus was in the room. I didn't see him. Nobody else saw him, but he was there. This presence brought this sense of peace that's just otherworldly. His holiness just enveloped that room. It's like when you read in the Old Testament where it talks about the train of his robe filled the temple. That's what was happening for us. And as we all just bowed our heads and closed our eyes, Bob just had tears. He's this huge, you know, he's the guy you want with you when you're walking down the dark alley and the guy you're hoping not to run into, right? Tears just falling from his face. And and as we were there in my office, I just had this picture of Jesus standing over Bob with his hands outstretched. And God was changing Bob from the inside out. Powerful. And as we're sitting there praying and we all feel this supernatural thing happening in our midst, I've got my eyes closed and I'm just picturing Jesus standing there. All of a sudden, in my imagination, I see Jesus look over at me and he pointed at me. That's all that happened. And then he went right back. And something changed inside of me in just a moment. That was years ago. I'm not saying I don't have my bad days. I'm not saying that I don't still get irritated and exasperated with my kids. We we all do. But there's not ever anger in there anymore. He's got answers to the questions that you're asking, and he's got more than that. He has the power to heal every hurt. He has the power to forgive every sin. And he promises you and he promises me that he has a dream for us. And who he sees us to be in that dream is not who we are today. And no matter how big of a problem you have, he has the power to change it in a moment. And don't you love that for for my journey, for my story, it came for me when I was bringing somebody else to him. And may it be so for each of you. I'm going to invite you to stand, and the worship team's going to come back up. Oh, I love this verse in Matthew 11. It says, And Jesus said to them, Come come to me. Come on, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Come on. I've got answers to your questions, he says. Aman, aman. 
Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. One of the things I love about this part of the sacred text of Scripture is that last word, burden, and the burden I give to you is light. That word for burden in the Greek is the same word that's used for a ship's cargo. I've not been around a lot of ships. Some of you who are in the military, you've probably been around lots of ships, and probably light is not the word that you would choose to use to describe the burden that a ship carries. Let's take maybe an aircraft carrier that's often docked here. What if you took everything off of that aircraft carrier and piled it somewhere, if you could find somewhere big enough to do it? Would you look at that and say, huh, that looks light to me? No, it wouldn't. But that's the beauty of what Jesus is saying here. This burden I give you is light. The things that he asks you to carry in this life, they're not light in the, in the way that we think of light. That's not what he's saying. He's saying whatever I ask you to carry, you can do it because you were made for it. That burden's light to the aircraft carry because it's designed to bear the weight of the load. And I'm telling you, no matter what your story is, and I know probably you've got some stories that are part of your life that maybe rises to the level of crisis. And you're saying to yourself tonight, I can't carry this anymore. God would say to you, yes, you can. Because I would not have given it to you if you couldn't bear up under it. And if you will step up beside my son and begin to lean on him and begin to find a dialogue with the creator of the world, not only do I have answers to your questions, not only do I have healing for your heart, but I've got the strength that you need to carry on. Let's worship together. Stand by everything you said. 